Hello, friends, and welcome to this golf podcast, unlike any other. Oh, yeah, you've done it. We're back. It is Fairway Roll in the Golf Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. We have literally been on a roll my par-saving pals, my eagle enthusiasts, straight from the recap of the BMW Championship, which Nate and I got up Sunday night into Monday. The Tour Championship is upon us. There is a lot of money at stake. There is still player of the year to be determined. We had to get our homie Jason Sobel from the Action Network, from Golf Bet, from XM Radio, to come on and help us figure out what's what with the Tour Championship. The first tee is open. Our tour correspondent, Nathan Hubbard, myself, Jason Sober, we're strolling over. We're going to throw a tee in the ground. Let's go ahead and try and hit a fairway with the boys. Hey, hey, my Eagle enthusiast. This is Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Elevated events, majors, and more are coming up, and FanDuel is here to help you line up a win during the PGA Tour season. Check out live PGA Tour bets like Longest Drive, Round Leaders, Matchups, Birdie or Better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Quick disclaimer, you must be 21 years old and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, my birdie buddies, it is not quite a major week, notwithstanding what some folks uh, want to say about the Tour Championship, but it is a very, very big week for the wallets of the 30 guys that have all made it in there. And it's a big week for putting a bow on what turned out to be a pretty incredible season. Got to break it down. We have the tour correspondent, Nathan Hubbard, of course, and our good pal, Jason Sobel from the Action Network. What's up, Sobes? What's up, boys? Thanks for having me on, as always. Good to talk to you guys. So I wanted to, to start the conversation now that we've had a couple days to digest what we just saw out of John Rahm and Dustin Johnson with a little bit of uh historical perspective i just feel mm -hmm. like we need to like put a smidge more shine on what those two guys have been up to since since the restart and and put it in the, the context of each of their um pretty different um careers so far but with rom 
This week marks his 100th official professional start. So he has 99 under his belt. In those 99 starts, 11 wins. And in more than half of his starts, he has finished inside the top 10. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. There's a reason why Phil Mickelson I actually reported this, uh, told this story a couple months ago. But uh, Phil Mickelson, when John Rahm was still an amateur, bet a fellow player, the fellow player happened to be Colt Nost, that John Rahm would be a top 10 player in the world within a year of turning pro. Phil was not guessing at this. And we have all known for a long time what the potential was for John Rahm. And he is now realizing that potential. I know there's people out there, House, that'll say, ah, John Rahm, call me when he wins a major. Guess what? I might be calling you in two weeks. Uh, it's, it's coming, and it might be coming very, very soon. That, that's right. Nate, what do you think? I think uh, that what's most interesting about what Rom did this year is that he's 55th in shots gained approach. And so yeah, he's like 20th in putting, 4th off the tee. But that just says he's actually got some improvement still left in his game. And I watched his presser this morning uh, at Eastlake and just was really shocked. You know, he spent 20, 25 minutes. You listen to the young man speak and he is he's made some kind of leap in the last year in terms of his maturity. And, and it we've talked about how it's been overplayed on the telecast that he's. Oh, he used to have mental issues and they're gone. They're definitely not gone. And he talked about that today. When we say mental issues, we don't mean mental health issues. We mean that he's he's got a temper and, and it comes out in a lot of ways. He's got that passion that he plays the game with. Uh, and he spoke about it in contrast to DJ today. Um, but this guy has made a big leap. And we looked at his wins before last week, but really before the memorial. And you would have said, well, they gave him one at Zurich. You know, he hit the bomb at Farmers. So... Who knows? You know, really, he's won one and a half times, not three. But now, after these two wins on what were definitely the two hardest setup courses, you look at this guy and go, he, he, he still has some ceiling left in his approach game, and he's got these wins under his belt and, and, and all this confidence. You know, I, this is going to be a scary guy on the other side of the Ryder Cup team for a couple decades to come. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. So, I, I mean, I don't imagine a scenario under which I leave John Rahm off of any dance card for the, for the U S open at Wingfoot. And I I'm interested, Jason, I feel like, uh, you know, much was made and, and properly so of how Olympia fields played, um, in a U.S. open kind of, uh, uh, setup and that the, the conditions absolutely replicated, uh, an, a U.S. open, kind of a scenario i i think that that everything that we just saw from olympia fields and rom's performance there carries right over to wingfoot are, are, do, do you agree with this or are there there are notable dis- differences between wingfoot and olympia fields that make that a little bit wet i tend to agree with it there are going to be some differences but for the most part i do agree with that first of all house i i want to point out that olympia fields held the u.s open back in 2003 and everyone seems to like the revisionist history is just like, ah, that was kind of, you know, that was, that was a throwaway us open. It wasn't that great. Kind of played easy. It was boring. You know, the guys were shooting good scores. They, they did for a couple of days and then the wind switched and 
Only four guys finished that week under par. Jim Furyk, okay, kind of took the drama out of it. And Stephen Leaney coming in second place doesn't exactly get you too fired up about watching on a Sunday afternoon. But we tend to look back at that U.S. Open from 17 years ago, and we have ever since ever since then leading up to last week saying, ah, Olympia Field's boring, you know, just a, just a kind of generic place, wasn't that good. I turned on the TV last week on Thursday, and I said, you know what? We've been getting it all wrong for the past 17 years because this place is awesome. I, I don't know at what point and, like, who started it and how it started. I, I started covering the game full-time in 2004, so I take no blame for the diminishment of Olympia Fields. But the way that place played last week, it was awesome. And I don't know that it was just like a U.S. Open, but that is as close to a setup as we're going to see to give us an idea of what might happen at Wingfoot as we've seen, probably tied with uh, Muirfield Village uh, for the Memorial Tournament, the second of the two events that were played there this past summer. And, uh, of course, John Rahm won each of those uh, toughest setups, as, as you said, Nathan. So, uh, yeah, certainly he's looking good going into this one. And uh, I think you start at the guys who played well last week if you're looking for guys who are going to play well two weeks from now with the U.S. Open. I've been targeting Bryson DeChambeau all year for the U.S. Open. I, I might be backing off that just a little bit. I like Rom a lot. It's hard not to like DJ. I, I think the main point here, though, is if we're going to predict and prognosticate the upcoming U.S. Open is that everything's changed. The entire theme of predicting a U.S. Open has changed in the last few years. This used to be the one for Jim Furyk, as I mentioned, and Corey Pavin and Lee Jansen, guys that were plotters, guys that could grind out pars, guys that kept the ball in the fairway, didn't try to do too much, and could go out there and just par you to death and win a U.S. Open. Well, guess what? You look at the last four of them, we have Brooks Kepka, who's won twice, Dustin Johnson, and Gary Woodland. What do they all have in common? Those are three of the most athletic, big-hitting, muscular players out on the PGA Tour right now. And so the theory I've come to the conclusion of is that Basically, everyone is going to miss fairways at the U.S. Open, and you need the guys who can muscle it out of the rough to the best of their abilities more than the guys who, well, they might hit a few more fairways throughout the week. But in theory, everyone's going to miss, and so you, you need the guys who can hit it out of the rough. And so I, I'm starting with those types of players when, when we start talking about Wingfoot in two weeks where I, I'm looking at Bryson, I'm looking at Rom, I'm looking at DJ. Nate, I'm going to sidetrack us for one second because I think we can dispense with, with this um, topic pretty quickly. I agree with everything that Jason just said, and it make, leaves me with an empty, hollow feeling in my stomach as it relates to Tiger Woods. Tiger! Tiger! Tiger Woods! So let's dispense with this week in Tiger Woods right now, because what we saw out of Tiger at Olympia Fields was a guy still looking for his game in a lot of different ways, off the tee looking for his game, from the rough looking for his game. Um, Nate, what, what's, what's your sentiment on, on, on El Tigre? Well, he's got two weeks to sit at home and think about it before he gets there. But the concerning part for me was the putter. Uh, we always have joked, you know, in the sort of casual golf games that the old guys all know how to putt still. They may not hit it as far, but they know how to putt. And... Tiger's really struggling with the putter and I don't, you know, more than we've ever seen in his career. So 
we we talked about the restart and the, the few times that we saw him sort of counseling everybody to temper their expectations for what we're going to see out of this guy. The flip side is uh, he has set his entire schedule and his entire training regimen for exactly four events. And uh, this is one of them. Uh, so I, I think we're going to see a passable Tiger. I think he probably makes the cut. But I just don't feel like we've seen anything since really the Zozo Championship in Japan last fall that would lead us to believe that he is in a place with his game. I mean, physically, he's okay, but but his physical limitations are clearly having an impact on the 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 smoothness uh, of every stroke that he takes out there, including with the putter. So I'm not highly optimistic that we're going to get much out of him at Wingfoot. Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. I think it's right to be optimistic for a made cut that he will have enough. And 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 you know, I was kind of buoyed by. The news that he and, and JT went out there and got a practice round in 10 days ago or so. Um, so that's that's good news. But, you know, I just don't we haven't seen him string together enough successful golf holes to, you know, since the restart to feel like he can win anything right now. That That's where my head's at. Sobel, how would you bet Tiger and Phil head to head in the open to today? I'd given all of need, it yeah i need to look at the numbers tiger's probably a slight favorite in that one and boy phil's playing well i mean i i get it it was a, a pga tour champions event that he won a couple of weeks ago and he's you know going out there beating rod pampling and woody austin but it, it still he, it was driving the ball 350 yards i mean he was mashing it he was making putts i i probably bet phil as a little bit of an underdog in that matchup right now um, again, Phil's game is not perfectly suited for U.S. Open, although uh, we tend to, you know, we joke about Phil at the U.S. Open. It's really hard to finish runner-up six times at the U.S. Open. You finish runner-up that many times at a U.S. Open, it does not mean you're a bad U.S. Open player because you've never won. It actually means you're a very, very good U.S. Open player who's gotten very, very unlucky. As, as for Tiger, guys, I think the point to be made is that he's felt to me over the last few starts sort of like the kid that's got finals coming up at the end of the semester and says, ah, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, my finals are coming up, but you know, I'll, I'll start studying next week. And then the next week comes, he goes, yeah, you know what? I got a few more days. I'll, I'll wait a few more days. And then the morning of the test comes, yeah, I should probably start studying. I got a test this afternoon. You know what? I'll do it after lunch. And then lunch comes, the guy goes, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to walk into the test and see how I do. Because it's not that Tiger's not preparing for it. It's just that I felt like, you listen to him in a press conference and he kept pushing it back. He kept saying, well, I've got time, you know, and I, I, I don't need to step on the gas pedal here. I don't need to do it there. And granted that might be just part of his mindset is, Hey, you know, okay. Want to play well at the PGA championship. It wasn't really anything special. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. Um, and maybe he's looking more towards the U S open and the masters than, you know, anything around the, uh, the Northern trust and the BMW championship. And maybe he's just not that torn up about not getting to East Lake, but it felt like he just kind of kept pushing everything back saying it's okay. I, you know, no rush, you know, there's no immediacy here. I, I can play well later on. I'm just trying to peak later on. And so I'm not sure that, you know, I, it, it's hard to do. I think maybe tiger 10, 15 years ago could say, Hey, I want to play my best golf four times a year. And this isn't one of them. 
So I'll wait, you know, I'll have my A minus game this week and I'll wait. And a month from now, I'll have my A plus game. I just don't know that at 44 years old, he can do that anymore. So will you want to hear my conspiracy theory about Tiger? Yes. House, we never got to this a few weeks ago, but I just got to get it out there because the tour came back this week and uh, they were lauded for the statistics that they released about the uh, coronavirus testing that's happened, where we've only had a few selection of players who've tested positive in the bubble. And I think the tour has done an amazing job and they deserve all the credit. But there was one stat that they posted that sort of slid by that nobody really dove into. And it was that three tests, three people have tested positive outside the tour bubble at home. And that means that the tour was not responsible or obligated to say who those people were. Um, and that those people were dealt with outside of the bubble. They, they presumably had to self-report to the, to the tour that they'd tested positive. They stayed away from the game for a little while. But um, interestingly, the tour, because of CDC guidelines, allowed any player who tested positive outside the bubble, as long as their symptoms didn't get worse and, and weren't accelerating, to come back in 10 days later, only 10 days. I think Tiger Woods was one of the three people who tested positive. And I say that because I stood next to him and walked next to him at the PGA Championship. And he was sniffing and snorting and coughing and hacking the whole time. He played that whole round with a neck gaiter. Uh, and his whole crew that was there wore neck gaiters, masks, you know, fully up the whole time. Uh, unlike a lot of other players and their and their their staff their staff and coaches and stuff who were there, I should say. So my my little conspiracy theory is that perhaps Tiger caught it, had a mild case, didn't have to report because uh, he was out of the game so much, and that maybe just maybe, if you want to be super hopeful for Tiger, that he's been recovering from that, uh, and, and that that's why we haven't seen him as much, and maybe why he's taking it easy on his body. Wow. Wow, Nate, two points I'll make after that. First of all, uh, just to clear things up, he he would have had to test negative to be able to play again. So, you know, it's not, not as if Tiger's going out there, he's he's COVID positive, and they're just like, yeah, just go play anyway, because, you know, you're home for 10 days, so don't worry about it. So he did have to test upon getting back into the bubble at some point. So that's the first point. Second point is Tiger gets sick more than any guy I've ever seen. For, for a guy who's in fantastic shape, for a guy who's a, a world-class athlete, Tiger's got what Jason Day would call the sniffles like every single week, whether it's allergies and sometimes we'll blame the kids. I around the kids. I, I, my kids are almost the exact same ages as Tiger's kids. I, they do not get me sick as much as Tiger blames his kids for getting him sick. So I, yeah, I mean, look, I, it's just a I'm conspiracy gonna, theory. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go on Twitter and report that conspiracy. <laughs> Neither theory, would I. I. Neither <laughs> would I. <laughs> It, yeah, I, there's something to it. Yeah, we're just guys talking on a pod. Your point is is a good one, though, Sobel. I mean, this was the same kind of thing that Tiger pointed to for why he was not good at the PGA Championship at Bethpage last year. He won the Masters in April, and then he had some travel in between April and 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 May, and he clearly he missed a practice day at Bethpage um, because he was sick, and then he seemed like he was sick through the first couple of rounds. Well, here's an irrefutable point. Yeah. The irrefutable point is he did not play nearly well enough to make it to East Lake this week. And the best golfers in the world, for the most part, are going to be there. He's not in the conversation anymore. He's not. And, and, and 
the question from here is, will he ever be again? Or is are we starting to see sort of those the 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 ultimate and and unstoppable decline of what used to be? Is this Jordan on the Wizards? Nate, how dare you? Say and here here's my reaction to that. First say, of all, Jordan on the bullets. Sorry. Save the drama for your mama. That's what I have to say about that. Okay. Let's just let Tiger get back in the swing he was extraordinarily deliberate since the 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 break in march and we've seen him kind of scuffle but it's not like fall off the cliff kind of performances i mean what do you think sobel you know it's interesting in that we've seen tiger of course the reason why we're talking about him right now we've seen him at his most dominant which is the most dominant player of all time so i always try to qualify that whenever someone says is he the goat I, well i don't know like jack's got the most majors but tiger was the most dominant. so i can at least safely say tiger was the most dominant player of all time uh, i think that's fair and so we've seen him at his worst which is i'm eight yards off the front of the green and i cannot chip the ball onto the green eight yards from here and we've seen him with a complete and total two-way miss. We've seen him shoot 85 before. I mean, we've seen Tiger at his absolute worst, and it's way worse than it is right now. And what's interesting is that you're kind of right about it, House, a little bit. Like, he's he's just sort of been, eh. I mean, you know, I, I can't tell you guys how many radio spots I did after each of his starts over the last, you know, two months, uh, going back to the Memorial Tournament where he was – 40th and then the pga he was 37th i think somewhere they're all kind of like just okay and you know my great takeaway from all of them was eh, I, you know it's just sort of like you know, what do you say like i don't know he was he was a guy who played in the golf tournament and he certainly wasn't great he was a lot worse than a, a lot of the other players out there but he certainly wasn't terrible he was a lot better than a lot of the other guys and so only because he's tiger woods is are we talking about him there's no other reason to be talking about a guy who finishes in 37th place, 40th place, you know, just kind of like middle of the pack, which is, I, I think the greatest takeaway from this is the, the fact that we've never seen this really from Tiger on a consistent basis where he's either been really, really good, way better than everybody else. Or for a while he was hurt and playing awful and just, you know, mind was out of it. And, you know, we've seen him really bad where something whether it was physical or emotional, was really bothering him. Now, we really haven't seen this in Tiger's career where it's like, yeah, he's okay, and that's about it. Right, and that, that was the thing that's mildly alarming to me. We just haven't seen him string together even a nine holes to get everybody. I mean, he, he, uh, which to, he, he did have an event, I think it was Memorial, where he came out pretty hot, I and mean, he's had a couple like decent starts but he hasn't like strung it together in a way where his name is at the top of the leaderboard. And at the end of the day, he's still hanging around there near the top of the leaderboard and you get um, super uh, excited about what what's to come. I think we've, we've done enough on the, on the, on the tiger yeah. though. I'm, I'm look, that's all I can do to reverse jinx him. <laughs> I came out with a coronavirus conspiracy theory and I said his best days are over, called him Jordan on the Wizards. If he can't come back from that and play great, I'm, that's, I'm that's out. very well done. And 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 I honestly, it's a good segue to the next guy I want to talk about. I was going to say, House, real quickly, by the way, if Tiger, who, you know, famously works out more than any golfer in the history of the game, and, and you know, I'm, not, I'm sure he can't do as much as he used to, but he's still, he's, He's running, he's lifting, he's stretching, he's doing all this stuff. He's, 
you know, I'm sure he takes his vitamins every morning. I mean, he's, he's doing things to help his body on a regular basis. If Tiger gets sick as much as he has over the last 20 years, which is, like I said earlier, pretty frequently, what hope is there for the rest of us guys? Oh, man. I'm not I, – I, I can't even think about that. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Birdie Buddies, this week's Fairway Rolling brought to you once again by our pals at FanDuel. We have this fantastic contest going right now. The ringer is back with the Fairway Rolling Doe Leaderboard Series. It's four legs. We uh, have the first leg already uh in the books it was the pga championship nate I, I i have you on here i know that you put in a lineup for the pga championship where did you finish for that why, one why do you do this to me uh i finished 5329th thanks to my brother <laughs> well and look that's still on the anchor you were on the correct side of the top 50 percent. i finished 2244th and this was out of 11904 My $5 entry fee turned into $10. We have more cash prizes. So here's what's at stake. Here's what we're doing with this series. It's the PGA Championship, the Tour Championship, the, the U.S. Open, and the Masters. So those are our four majors this season. Cash prizes for each one of those events. So if you didn't play the PGA Championship, you could jump in. This week, get yourself a, a, a lineup into this. It's a single lineup tournament, so you're not going to get uh, pencil whipped by the Excel spreadsheet boys. And, you know, get get something uh, in there. Nate, we, we talked on the show. We have some some names. Give me a, a sleeper. Give me a sleeper that you might sneak into your lineup. Well, Kevin Kisner's in my lineup. I, oh. I feel great about Kiz this week. I, I mean, I'll put it out. I got, I got Bryson. I got JT. I got Rom. Finau, Kisner, and Brendan Todd. You already have your lineup ready. I'm going. Well, look, everybody, we're going to post our lineup. Simmons is in this as well. The Podfather, Bill Simmons, uh, FanDuel, and The Ringer will publish my lineup, Nate's lineup. He, Nate just gave you his lineup and Simmons's lineup. Uh, see how you do against us. You can win the cash prizes as the season continues to go on. We're tallying up st scores across those four events. Uh, so we have a series leaderboard. If you finish at the top, you're going to win. And I have seen this thing. It's effing beautiful, Nate. The inaugural Fairway Roland Doe Championship Jacket. You got to have a jacket if it's golf, Nate, dog. 44 long, please. Yeah, well, that's funny. Me too. But I'll tell you what, that's not enough. The, 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 the custom fit for this jacket, what I've gone through, I've been to the tailor three times to get this taken in properly uh and so whoever comes down with this jacket it is going to be a very very handsome 
and well-fit uh, uh, garment. I can tell you right now. Uh, lifetime of bragging rights. We got ringer gear. Go to FanDuel.com slash Fairway Rowan, F-A-I-R-W-A-Y-R-O-L-L-I-N. You can enter the contest right now. It doesn't matter if you didn't play the PGA Championship. You can still win some cash this week. Listen to the Bill Simmons podcast. Listen to this podcast throughout the rest of the golf season to find out how you're stacking up against the competition. And go to FanDuel to enter the Fairway Rolling Doe leaderboard series age and location restrictions apply my par saving pals my eagle enthusiasts want to also talk to you about whoop whoop is as you know from this podcast a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep how recovered you are and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. Nate, I know that you have been a strong adopter of the the Whoop and all the data it's it, it's feeding you. What have you learned about yourself? I've learned that so far today, my day strain is zero because I've been sitting in this chair talking <laughs> to you. But I've learned a ton. I mean, I, I run six miles every other day. And so, and I'm not a spring chicken. And what I've learned is how I recover from those and sometimes why I feel crappy and why I feel better and how to sort of pace my sleep and diet and exercise to, to feel great. I'm still learning it because there's so much to it, but there's some stats that I go in and check three or four times a day around my respiratory rate, how my heart rate held up, how I did via sleep and what the overall strain is. So it's been a great way to think about how to get the most out of uh, every day. Yeah, it's eye-opening getting some of that that feedback. So Whoop provides you with personalized insights and data because it's data about you. That makes it personalized. And you, you, you to help you make smarter lifestyle decisions, they have a journal function. It's a feature in there where you can input what you did throughout the day and kind of see what kind of impact it had, both good and bad, on your sleep, your recovery, and your training, Whoop automatically detects and categorizes your activities so you don't need to start and stop the thing during workouts or sleep. And my favorite aspect of this thing, no joke, is, is the sleep coach. It's custom tailored to you. It calculates your sleep need based on a whole variety of data points, and it helps you think about levels of peak, perform, or get by, depending on what you have you know, coming up the next day, depending on the quality of your sleep. And getting that feedback on like the quality of sleep has been a real eye-opener for me. Um, in some ways, you know, it, it kind of makes me happy because uh, it, it, it takes things that I are not at the front of my like, you know, uh, health planning. Um, and it's like kind of emphasizes it in a slightly different way. Like, oh, right, I want to go play golf tomorrow around 11 in the morning. So I should try and get the, the thing tells me my optimal sleep is, you know, seven hours and 45 minutes. I want to have a decent round. I don't want to go out there and lose all my money to my pals. Let me try and get my optimal sleep, you know, the night before. So I've, I've been uh, greatly enjoying it. It's offering right now. Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code fairway, F-A-I-R-W-A-Y at checkout. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P, 
sleepbetter.com and enter the code fairway to save 15% sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today. Whoop! There it is. I want to talk about Dustin Johnson, and Tiger is is a very nice um, lead-in for this because what DJ has been doing over the last five weeks rivals some um, historical marks that that uh, match up pretty well with Tiger. And I just want to remind us of where we were when the restart got got going again. One of the interesting uh, storylines we were paying attention to, Nate and I were talking about this, was DJ and Brooks Kepka were well outside of the, you know, making it to the tour championship. And we wondered about the sprint, right? This, the, 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 the jam pack events starting in June and running all the way up to the moment that we're sitting at right now, guys who are, you know, Brooks and DJ both were in, in well into the hundreds in terms of their ranking. Um, DJ kind of took care of all of that pretty quickly up in Connecticut when he went out and, and, and won the travelers. Uh, and he's really validated the 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 quality performance that we saw there. So in each of his last three PGA Tour events, DJ has held the 54-hole lead, or he's he's co-led. He's the first person to do that since Tiger Woods back in 2007, 2008. Now the difference is Tiger won all three of those events where he had the lead or co-lead. And DJ's won one of those events, although to be fair to DJ, what John Rahm did this past weekend in grabbing that golf tournament by the throat and, 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 you know, like, like a, like a lion with a giant gazelle and just putting it in his, in his lion backset backpack. I mean, that, that's not one that I say, Oh, DJ did anything wrong. John, John Rahm put a lion on him. Um, but you know, the, the, it was also an interesting, these are some of these stats from our boy, Justin Ray at, at the 15th club, who was a, you know, homie friend of the show, DJ losing in that, that playoff. It's, it snapped a streak of 10 straight PGA tour playoff victories by a player ranked number one in the world. Cause DJ had, had, had grabbed that back after his performance in, in Boston. Um, he begins the week with uh, a two-stroke lead. He's uh, the last guy that needs a two-stroke lead. His scoring average over the last four starts is 66.9. He's 53 strokes under par, and he's uh, gaining over three point, uh, almost 3.4 strokes gain total per round. And DJ himself, after winning on, I mean, after <laughs> losing the playoff on Sunday, could barely contain himself. He looked so happy. He's like, my game is so good right now. It was the most like emotion I've seen out of like positive energy out of DJ that I've seen in a while. What do, what do you think, Jason? You know, as a guy who makes his living now in the golf prognostication business, DJ is my worst nightmare. And not because he can't win, because obviously he can win. He can win any given week. But you look at what he's done this summer. He goes from winning the Travelers after being, you know, way outside of, you know, any sort of FedEx Cup season finale tour championship contention and, and you know, not even having the number one on his radar at that point to winning the Travelers, shooting two rounds of 80 at the Memorial Tournament, 
withdrawing with a supposed back injury, which, Nate, you want to get into conspiracy theories. Well, we can talk DJ's back injury at the 3M Open. There, there could be a 30 for 30 on that someday where, you know, you go from winning golf tournaments to shooting 80-80, uh, withdrawing with a back injury, and then all of a sudden, like, winning golf tournaments again. So, uh, to me, it's like, boy, I, I don't know what DJ is going to show up on any given week. And unlike some other players, I mean, you you can parse Rory's words and sort of figure out if it's going to be a good Rory week or not when he's speaking on a Tuesday or Wednesday. You can kind of look into JT's eyes and say, you know, he's got that fire right now. I kind of like JT. You look into Dustin's eyes and, and you just get him staring right back at you. And you're like, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know which Dustin Johnson is going to show up. The guy who could absolutely dominate this thing and win it going away. Or the guy who's like shrugging his shoulders and shooting 80. And he looks, I, other than that emotion that he showed, and you were right, because he, he was pretty happy after losing, which is kind of interesting. Although I guess if you lose on a 66 foot putt that, you know, drops into the hole in the first playoff, like you're kind of like, it wasn't me it was him he yeah. beat me i didn't lose it so i mean he wasn't like distraught or anything but for the most part dj looks exactly the same on wednesday before winning as he does on sunday after losing or whatever the case is he, he just the emotion doesn't change the rhetoric doesn't change and for guys who are trying to figure out who's going to win a golf tournament you look at dj and you're like i i, I just don't know like give me a sign give me, give me a little hint can we, can we have like a password here where it's like, hey, you feel really good. You, you know, you say the word banana in your Wednesday press conference. We're like, all right, okay, DJ's got it now. But I mean, you know, this is a guy who, one of my favorite quotes ever, maybe my favorite quote ever from any player. This was um, after DJ won at the old WGC that was played at Firestone for so long. It was probably three or four years ago. And, he, you know, we're always, as, as writers and guys who cover the game, we're looking for, something give me something okay dj's won so many times you're gonna write the story okay dj won dj's really good i give me an angle and so dj kind of let it drop about how earlier that year he had started hitting a fade he had you know been hitting a draw and he went to a fade and so some of the other writers kind of their ears perked up and they're like oh well tell us about that what was the process like for you we've heard you know tiger it took him a year and a half to change his swing and other guys it's taken them forever to to go from one swing to the next act how did you go about that process? And Dustin said, well, I was hitting a draw and then I wanted to hit a fade. So I decided to hit a fade. And that was it. That, <laughs> that was like, how long did it take you? Well, the next shot I hit, I hit a fade and it faded. So I was good. And like, that was it. That was the whole thing. And so he's just not going to offer you any clues into anything, which is great. That's probably what we like about. Him. Well, he left us one clue last year at the tour championship that counters some of the stats that house flew throughout, which is that he finished DFL last, last year. Uh, he was terrible on this course now, different mm -hmm. time, but Hey, the FedEx cup playoffs have been somewhat maligned by the, you know, uh, Twitterati commentator community. I think they've been great, not just this year, but the reason that I'm really, I, I think they're important is that every other big tournament, allows a player to take a week off or plan their schedule so that they can really peak for that event. And you can't do that in the FedEx Cup playoffs. You have to play this year three, you know, previous years, maybe three of the four. You got to play them all and you got to play them well. 
DJ is going to be trying to do something that we've seen none of the other best players that we've talked about. All the people in contention for player of the year. We've seen none of them maintain this level of excellence over a three-week period, right? JT's had moments where he's disappeared on us. You, you mentioned that, Sobel. Rom, you know, he's been in and out. Bryson has not totally fully shown up. He's not in the conversation of player of the year, but even Webb Simpson, right? So the question for me is, if DJ can do this three weeks in a row, it's going to be a pretty unprecedented, you know, feat. So and he certainly will have earned the title. But when we get to who we're picking for this week, Sobel, this is a guy who, you know, when we look on FanDuel, like he is priced higher than anybody else, right? His odds are super high. It seems pretty hard, actually, to take him and separate yourself from the pack. You wrote a great piece this week, sort of rooting for chaos, because that's the way that this board is going to get upended and you might be able to find some value. But DJ's left us some, some, some breadcrumbs, which is that, hey, he has struggled on this course before. B, like he's been on a massive heater. This doesn't just happen. This isn't, you know, this isn't what normally happens with golf. So as you look at him from a value perspective this week, is he in your six six player fantasy lineup and if if so why and if not how do you think about what other people should do with dj this week i have made nate a bunch of dfs lineups so far and i do not have dj in any of them i knew wow. it wow wow the reason is to go contrarian part of the reason is i just don't like them let's think about it first of all last week what did we learn about last week and we talked about it earlier olympia fields played like a major championship what do guys want to do after a major championship they want to go take on a, a boat, nap. have a couple of beers, take a nap, and not go anywhere near their golf clubs for a week. They don't want to go play for $15 million. And so I found one guy who decided to skirt the system. And don't hate the player, hate the game. Because a lot of people were saying, how can Webb Simpson skip the second playoff event? You can't skip the AFC championship game and go to the Super Bowl. And guess what? He did it. And he dropped all the way from third, way, way down the points list. And he's going to start in fourth this week. <laughs> I mean, it just, it doesn't matter. He would have been seven under, or he would have been eight under. No, I'm, excuse me, seven under, starting in third place. And said he's going right. to be six under. Guess what? Go, go birdie your first hole on Friday morning, and, and you make up for it. It's just, it's no big deal whatsoever. And so every player in this 30-man field, just dealt with major championship conditions for 72 holes last week, except for Webb Simpson, who laid on the couch last week, played with his 23 kids, and just had a good old time at home and came out refreshed and relaxed and, I think, ready to go out and win on what is a uh, course that really suits him well. He's got three top five finishes in seven career starts at Eastlake. And uh, one other point that I want to make, Nate, and it's very sort of it, – it's been sort of uh, – in vogue to, um, to just bash the FedEx Cup. I mean, it's been 14 years now, and people, especially on social media, go, ow, oh, playoffs, come on. It, these playoffs are silly. You know, it's not as good as a major. Playoffs aren't great. Okay, well, first of all, yes, it's not as good as a major. It's never supposed to be. Secondly, what would you prefer? And a little history lesson here. Back in 2006, the Tour Championship was held in the middle of November. It was three months after the most recent relevant golf tournament on the schedule and that last one tiger and phil who were by far the two biggest drawing cards on the pga tour they didn't play didn't show up for the tour championship 
And as I recall, they didn't even bother to like make something up. You know, it wasn't like Tiger's like, yeah, my back, I tweaked it a little bit doing something. So I, I really just want to be safe and not play. It was like, yeah, uh, guys, there's football on. I'm not going to Atlanta. It was just like, I, no, come on. It's November. I'm not playing golf. Like, it was just sort of like, this is ridiculous. And so we've gone from a point where the best players in the game weren't showing up in November because it, they just didn't care to, hey, we've now got a finality to the season. I get that the next season starts four days after, three days after this one concludes, and it's kind of ridiculous, but at least there's some finality to it. At least we get something. Is it ever going to be a playoff just like the NFL has a playoff, just like the NBA has a playoff? No, it's a different kind of sport, but it's probably as good as it's going to get. Yeah, I will say... I think that they um, have done a, an, an admirable job of continuing to, on the on, in the first case, get player buy-in, get player support, and you know get the best players playing in in the events for the most part. Which you know, pre-pandemic, they kind of owned August, the PGA Tour. You know, kind of smartly you know, built, uh, their, their, you know, entertainment product and, and created this, um, stretch where they owned a month on the sports calendar where they're not really competing with, with anybody else. I mean, baseball, uh, poses a little bit of, of competition in August, but things aren't really starting to get go with going with baseball until September. I, I love, um, sort of, I've, I have come to love what the, uh, FedEx cup, um, you know, is, is presenting to us. I like very much the variety of, of venues. I like, you know, especially right now, I liked going up to Boston two weeks ago, and then I liked going to Chicago last week, and I'm going to be enjoying this visit to Atlanta because I can't effing travel right now, and I'm not going to effing travel. So I like seeing these other parts of the country in different weather. I absolutely adored seeing San Francisco at the beginning of August and seeing everybody dressed up in long. I mean, Nate, it, it, was, it was so cold there. You had on... Uh, a winter hat and and you know jacket the whole thing i saw you all geared up brother i look like i was going skiing <laughs> right but look so we're 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 on the precipice of of a very cool um of, event here that again kudos to the the tour i love the friday to monday on labor day weekend we have a major not not it's not major in the sense of golf but we have a prominent sporting event happening on labor day that will end in the evening that's fun that's good it's good for the pga tour to catch those eyes and to have their very best players uh playing now i uh have a lot of things to say about webb simpson because um my my confession to jason i deliberately did not read your column this week it is always one of my research tools and uh -huh. I steal liberally sure. from it. I I wanted to hear the thesis live because I didn't want to have reaction. This is the piece of paper I'm holding up and showing it you. These are these are Webb Simpson stats coming into this. He is at the top of of my dance card this week. Uh, in addition to the things that you mentioned, he absolutely adores par seventy Bermuda green golf courses. He the last five times he's played under those uh, conditions. He's well. He's gone first, first, third, third, twelfth. I think yeah. that's a, a a good stretch. He is inside the top twenty in over his last twenty four rounds in everything that matters. Tee to green, he's eighth. Putting, he's ninth. Off the tee, he's eighteenth. Approach, he's eleventh. I mean, his resume 
speaks for itself. There's also, and a shout out to our homie, Pat Mayo, who was on last week, he noted this correlation, a, a strong correlation with the Wyndham uh, and with uh, Sedgefield, the, the Donald Ross course down there in North Carolina. And, you know, the names that you see in the top five there are names that are that are absolutely, I think, good, good uh, candidates for this week. Billy Horschel, Webb Simpson, Jim uh, Herman, <laughs> not not Jim Herman. But um, in, in any event, you know, uh, one guy speaking of the very best guys that I need to get some feedback from you two guys on is Rory. What are we going to do with Rory this we're week? Fade the crap out of him. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I, look, here my favorite matchup bet of the week so far is Xander Shoffley. I believe he's about minus one eighteen, minus one fifteen against Rory. And guys, I love bets that give you two chances to win, and you don't find it too often. There's not too many reasons why you would ever have two chances to win. But first of all, Xander might just play better than Rory. Xander has a win, a second, and a seventh in three career starts at Eastlake, he really likes this golf course. And, oh, by the way, he's one of the best players in the world. Uh, and, yeah, so just, hey, they're, they're both really trying hard. They're both really into it. Xander might just beat Rory anyway, and so you've got a chance to win there. The other chance you have to win is Rory plays two holes on Friday and gets the call. And kudos to the McElroys. First of all, congratulations to them. They're expecting their first child, a baby girl, quote-unquote, any day now. But kudos to Rory for keeping this a secret for apparently eight months and three weeks where it didn't get out publicly. It got out last weekend, and he has said, and rightly so, you know, I, it's a golf tournament. If I have my first child coming, I'm out of there. And good for him. Go ahead. But we can take advantage of knowing that because if he tees off on Friday morning and he's on the second hole and Erica calls and says, hey, my water just broke, he's out of there, which means that as long as Xander Shoffley winds up his week upright and breathing, we win that wager. So anybody, whether it's Shoffley or anybody else, if you can get them at a decent price against Rory this week, I say fire. Well, Nate, you and I talked about Rory and the fact that they kept the news private for so long. And we were, we were amazed by it. I mean, congratulations. Just, just like you said, Jason, to, to Rory and, and Erica, um, both on on the the baby girl coming along, but also like uh, keeping the news completely under wraps. And you know, we were kind of mystified since the restart about you know what was going on with Rory. And he you know acknowledged that the lack of crowds might have might be impacting him. But with him having on his brain the fact that he's about to to you know have a, a major change in his life. Um, he could have told us that earlier. It, it, it's a wonderful thing. I, I'm thrilled for him. Um, Nate, I have a question for you because I heard the the no laying up guys were talking a little bit about this um, earlier uh, this week. Uh, my question for you: There's a kind of a, a a thought that the birth of of his his baby girl and you know his his change in 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 family. And the resetting of priorities that happens to all of us the first time that we're lucky enough to have a kid might have a liberating effect for him. And we might see Rory McElroy once you know the baby girl's born and once everything's kind of settled down, he might go on an absolute tear. Do you, do you, what do you think about that, Nate? I read this week that Bryson has done the math uh, on first-time parents. And... <laughs> figured out that they have a better chance 
of winning that they like win disproportionate amounts of the time after they have a baby. And I just keep thinking about if Bryson plays with Rory, like Rory makes it through the weekend, Bryson plays with Rory on Sunday. And on that last green, Bryson grabs the back of Rory's neck after Bryson wins the way that Payne Stewart in the same (laughs) damn hat grabbed Phil's neck at the U S (laughs) open when he won and said, and says, you know, it's it's being a father. You're going to be such a great father or whatever, even though Bryson, it has no kids. Like I know we're just moving towards that. I, <laughs> I, I think it is, uh, listen, I, I don't want to speculate. I think Rory has always kept parts of his uh, personal life, super private. And I think, you know, guys like that who are just uh, world stars are entitled to it. And I do think there is some little flip or change in his mental approach to golf that is required based on what we've seen since the restart because he's just too good to not be getting the results. So if this does it, uh, I hope he has 10 kids uh, like uh, Webb Simpson, according to Sobel. <laughs> Birdie Buddies also want to talk to you about Zip Recruiter. When it comes to scoring great hires for your business, you might be up against some obstacles like Lots of uh, applicants, lots of folks are out there looking for jobs right now. You, as a person hiring for your business, you're going to have a hard time getting all the way through there to find the right candidates for your job, or you're trying to run your business. So finding time to hire while you're trying to run your business, that's not easy. And on top of all the rest of it, you're trying to ensure workplace safety. You might have some folks coming in. Everybody needs to be properly distanced. You want everything to be sanitized. You need ZipRecruiter on your team, no matter the industry, whether it be healthcare, manufacturing, business services. ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. And now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash rollin'. That's R-O-L-L-I-N. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out immediately to over 100 top job sites. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology hustles for you to find people with the right experience for your job and invites them to apply. In fact, check out this stat. Four out of five, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That's good turnaround time. So add ZipRecruiter to your roster to help you win the hiring game. To try ZipRecruiter for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Roland. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-O-L-L-I-N. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right. Well, look, we've been uh, – we. Talking around it, let's go ahead and start naming names. I, I, I know that I'm on Webb Simpson. I know that Sobel's on Webb Simpson. I like Billy Horschel at a kind of a lower price, a guy who's gone uh, first, second, and seventh at this venue and also has very great performances um, at the Wyndham. So those are just just two names. Nate, who, who, you, who do you have circled this week? Well, this is a tough one to pick, especially if you're picking a group of guys because obviously uh, you're not going to get value at the high end. You've got to, you've got to look at maybe the first three or four guys. So, well, you got to, you got to flesh this out. My strategy was this. I got to look at the top three or four guys and decide which maybe two of those I think are going to play the best. And by the way, this week, I think for the first time we are going to see 
uh, the winner of the tournament who has a lower aggregate score than somebody else. I think this will be the first time yes. where so somebody goes on a heater but doesn't win the tournament, right? And then I looked at the guys in those various tiers, who's starting at even par, one under, two under, three under. And from those groups, I picked a couple of the guys who I thought I could get value from because they're playing great. So for me, Kisner finished T4. He played great uh, at the Wyndham. And, uh, you know, he's starting, I think he's starting at one under, but he really has been, you know, this is, this is a, a, in a lot of ways, a home game for him. Uh, so I really love Kisner at, at, in, from the lower ranks. And I know you're going to, I know you're going to hate this, but I just can't see how top five Tony doesn't top five this week. He, he showed us some signs of life last week. This is the kind of course that he plays really well on. So those are the sort of value picks for me. And then, you know, Sobel convinced me to stay the hell away from DJ. Uh, so at the upper end, we've seen some of the best players take a couple weeks off and come roaring back. And so I really think uh, JT has been sitting outside the, the conversation, remembering last year when he did not handle going into the start of the tournament with a lead well at all. He's been talking about his mental approach to the tour championship for almost a month now. I think we're going to see JT come out on top. Wow. I love it. Okay. So, but what do you got? Okay. So first of all, guys, it is important. Anytime you place a wager on anything to know what you're wagering on. I, I think that we could all agree on that this week in terms of the tour championship, it's really important to know what you're wagering on because I've, I've had people, I, I go out, I play softball on Tuesday nights, and then we all go out for beers, and my buddies are all hitting me up. So this was last night, and guys are like, hey, who should I pick this week? And I go, well, it depends. Are you betting on the tournament with the handicap strokes leading into it, or are you betting on everyone starting at even par like they do normally? And the books, most of the books this week will have both options available. And I had guys look at me going, uh, I don't know, just tell me a guy. And I said, well, I, I can't give you a name unless you tell me what you're betting on. And so uh, I've said already that if it's based on the strokes and based on the way the PGA Tour is doing it, I really like Webb Simpson for all the, uh, the, the things that you mentioned, House, earlier about a par 70 golf course and Bermuda Greens and certainly having the week off and not playing a major championship-like venue last week. And so it doesn't mean that, I mean, if you're doing a one-and-done pool, if you're doing something, just an office deal where you're like, Hey, pick a guy to win. Yeah, you might want to pick Dustin Johnson. I, I'm not saying I don't like Dustin. I just don't like Dustin at plus 200 this week. I mean, two to one to win a golf tournament. Nah, no thanks. Uh, John Rom, three to one. No thanks. Justin Thomas, five and a quarter. Uh, getting there, and I don't hate it. It's still just a little too low for me. And Webb Simpson at 10 or 11 to one. That's where I like to start the card this week. And I honestly don't hate it if you want to play a Colin Morikawa or Daniel Berger outright but i probably wouldn't go any deeper than that i just don't think that uh the guys who are three under starting seven back really have a legitimate chance to uh to catch up and pass all of those guys in front of them as for prop bets brendan todd is a guy that i have not given enough respect to this summer i will readily admit that every single week i look at him before a tournament and either say the field's too good you know there are too many good players this week i Brendan Todd's not going to compete with all the big boys. Or I say the golf course just doesn't suit him. It's a place where you got to bomb it all over the place. He's a guy that finds, finds fairways, but doesn't hit it anywhere. Well, this is finally a golf course, and, and he has proved me wrong all summer. He's played great. I know he's 
he's faltered in a few final rounds and, you know, he hasn't won. Okay. But he's, he really has played very, very well for the last two or three months. And so I look at Brendan Todd this week and I say, he lives in Atlanta. I don't know if he's sleeping in his own bed this week or not. I don't know. You know, there's a big place, but he's at least familiar with the surroundings. The golf course should suit him really well. Bermuda greens. And I think he's probably more motivated. You know, there are going to be some guys who are, I mean, I'm in eighth place going into the weekend and yeah, okay. I'd like to make some money, whatever, but you know, it's long season. I'd like to get this over with Brendan Todd, who was basically out of golf a few years ago is going to look at this and say, I can make how much money? Like, let's go. Like, I may never play as well as I'm playing right now. I can make a few more million dollars based on the fact that I have one really good round this week. And so I love Brendan Todd for, top fives and the last one guys real quick if you're looking at it from everyone starting at even par and then like i said you can bet that in the books too my chaos theory extends beyond webb simpson which will just annoy the hell out of people if he's able to skip a playoff event and go out and win this golf tournament and win the fedex cup but how about the fact that abraham answer is one of the best players on the pga tour who hasn't won he can go out there on a golf course that i think suits his game really well and play four rounds in fewer strokes than anybody else in the field and still not have a PGA Tour victory and still not have a trophy. So I'm rooting for chaos in another way. And I, I would like to answer it 66 to one in a 30 man field. I think that's a great number on him this week. That's fun. So, but let me ask you a question. If Brendan Todd wins this week, mm-hmm. who's the player of the year? That is such a good question. I, you can ask me that, that question if Brendan Todd doesn't win this week. I, I don't know. I mean, Rom said in his press conference, he's, he listed all the guys have won more than once. And he said, I think player of the year is whoever wins. But I thought, well, Brendan Todd, but maybe Brendan Todd. Here's what I can tell you guys from years of having this conversation at the end of seasons is that you guys and myself will, will think about this. We'll talk about this way more than the guys who are voting on it. The guys who vote on it are the players and the players tend to have a lot of recency bias because they will get a ballot in the mail next week and they're not sitting there going over. Well, so-and-so had a really good November last year, like the, you know, early in the season They're they're going to go, Oh, that guy won the FedEx cup last week. I'll give it to him. Yeah. And, and that's, what's going to happen. So I tend to believe that whoever wins this golf tournament this week, unless it's way out of left field, whether it's DJ Rom, JT, Morikawa, Webb, that guy's probably going to be the player player of the year this year. Why do we give a shit about that award? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, who does? It's just a funny thing it, to so. talk about. It's for us to talk about. On it's, it's for Sobel and Collins on their XM radio show to yell at each other about. It's for us on the pod to make fun of the players. That's all. Nobody cares. Every year we argue about this. We argue rookie of the year, and we go back and forth. And then they announce it. And 10 minutes after they announce it, we've all forgotten it ever happened. I mean, it should come with money. That, well, <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what these guys need more money. Yeah, that that that's right. I have one other name before before we break. I want to just um, give a quick shout to Tyrrell Hatton because I I like to reward guys that I I played in matchups. Now I I did pretty good. I I went five one and three in my matchups last week. Tyrrell Hatton over Harris English was one of those matchups last week. Sneaky. Uh, a run of success since the restart out of Tyrrell. He started out with two top threes at, at the Heritage and then at the uh, Rocket Mortgage up in Detroit. And then 
he kind of scuffled a little bit, but then caught something. I don't know uh, what he found in his game, but he shot a 63 up in Boston a couple weeks ago. And only DJ uh, went, went that low because DJ went that low for every round. And then uh, Terrell uh, tied for 16th last week at the uh, BMW slash US Open, you know, US Open light. And, you know, his uh, he, he, he's a good putter uh, on Bermuda. He won on this surface at Bay Hill, which was, you know, the, the, the last uh, big victory before everything got shut down. So. I, I'm going to um, play him in a head-to-head, and I'm going to play him on my DFS cards and, and, and fantasy. I'm not suggesting because he's at like three under or something. He's too far back to win under the handicap system. Yeah. But I do like him on, on the dance card. Hall of Fame mic'd up guy, too. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. We, as long as you, you can get him to agree to it. I want Tyrrell and John Rahm mic'd up together when they're both like just shooting 87s. And just as pissed off as possible. How good would that be? <laughs> well, guys, uh, thanks very much. We Nate and I will be back Monday night for a uh, recap of of what went down. Let's all get a little return on investment. Check out uh, Jason Sobel's column, multiple columns uh, on Golf Bet, uh, which is the tab under the Action Network that you can click on. You can also go directly to Golf Bet, can't you, Jason? Sure, why not? Yeah, and 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 all his stuff is up there. <laughs> uh, the XM Radio Show. You, I know you and Collins were on for a bit earlier uh, today. Are you? What are you doing for the rest of the week? Oh, what am I doing? I have no idea. I've, okay. I've got some more XM Radio stuff. I've got. Uh, I'm not doing segments. By the way, guys, the PJ Tour. I, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. They probably won't like this, but about a year and a half ago. I was at a point with the PGA Tour. I've been covering golf for a long time, ESPN and Golf Channel and back to ESPN. I, I've had a credential for a long time. The PGA Tour said, you know, we really don't like the betting stuff that we're doing. You know, it, you might wind up pulling your credential. You know, I got mad and I, I kind of, <laughs> my boss said, don't, you know, don't talk to him about it. We now with Golf Bet and the Action Network have a partnership with the PGA Tour. And I'm now not only welcome to go cover events when the world is right, we can go cover events again, but I'm doing segments for PGA Tour Live. So I'm waking up early in the morning and going on PGA Tour Live, their streaming service, to give betting advice uh, <laughs> for every round, which is a little bit of a turnaround from where we were just 18 months ago. It's been it's a miracle. I mean, I saw they announced another partnership. I don't remember with, with who this week, but we have DraftKings, we have FanDuel. For, yeah, four partnerships, right? Yeah, for the last month, official betting partners of the PGA Tour. I love. I mean, God, this is it's 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 no wonder that the PGA Tour is my a number one. Well done, PGA Tour. All right, guys, thanks very much. Great preview and strong return on investment out there to all our birdie buddies. All right, my birdie buddies, there we have it. Some juicy insights hopefully for you as you build your dfs lineups get on that fan duel fairway rolling dough contest there is cash to be won my par saving pals my thanks as always to our pga tour correspondent nathan hubbard and jason sobel from the action network nathan and i will be back right after the tour championship wraps up Monday night, we're going to break it all down, see who won 
that 15 million bucks and see who fared well in the fairway rolling dough contest on FanDuel. Until then, my par saving pals, let's head them straight out there.